Happy voting day, everybody. Welcome to Passing Judgment, a podcast about politics and the law and a lot of things in between. I'm your host, Loyola Law School professor Jessica Levinson. I'm joined by the show's co-host, Joe Armstrong. And Joe, as I just said, it's voting day again. Welcome, Joe. Again, 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 again. How many times are we going to go through this, Jessica? I saw I'm not a big meme guy, but I saw a meme that says that Joe Biden, now that he has won 100 times, he is eligible for a free sub. <laughs> That's very funny. It does feel like he has one of those cards where, you know, you you come back to the market or the store and you say, I, ha- I got 10 smoothies. Can I please have my free one now? So why is today voting day? Today is actually the day that the Electoral College voted. And we're going to talk about that. And there was another big piece of news today, which is that the attorney general, Bill Barr, has stepped down. So Biden is in. Barr is out. We'll talk about both of those things. Joe, remind us of where we are in the calendar. Yes, Jessica, it's a two for Monday, two big pieces of news. We are 37 days from January 20th, which we all know is Inauguration Day. It comes every four years, whether we like it or not. We are also 41 days from Election Day, so we were just over halfway there. Now, let's talk about this Electoral College. It seems like a very, very convoluted system. My question there is, is this the best thing our founding fathers could conjure for this? And I would like to mention that we did a whole episode on this with an author named Jesse Wegman about the Electoral College and why he thinks it should be banned or it should be gotten rid of, 86th, put in the can, that kind of thing. So, Jessica, can you give us some more context about this, the Electoral College from your area of expertise, please? Do I have to? No. (laughs) Yes, happily, I will. And I will agree with Jesse Wegman, who we spoke to, in that it is time to get rid of the Electoral College, but there's a way to lessen the blow of the Electoral College without actually having to go into the Constitution and abolish it, which is each state should not use winner-take-all. And I'll explain what I mean. So what is the Electoral College? As everybody knows who listens to this podcast, the voters don't actually elect the president and the vice president directly. Instead, when you go to the polls on a Tuesday in November, you are picking the slate of electors that your state will send to Congress to be certified and tallied. And what do I mean by winner take all? In every state except Maine and Nebraska, if you win that state by 50.01% or by 99%, you still get all of their electoral college votes. So one way to make sure that you're not, frankly, wasting votes is to have a proportional system. If you win 60% of the votes in California, you get 60% of the electoral college votes. That would be a much saner way to do it. Welcome to the law and politics. We don't always do things the same way. And so what we have instead is, again, in all states except Maine and Nebraska, a winner-take-all approach. Now, what happened today? Today, the electoral college actually did state-by-state vote. Now, this is a day that goes almost every election cycle without notice because it's totally pro forma. And this time around, what did we see? I mean, it was actually streamed live in state houses. People were watching the members of the Electoral College vote in Georgia, in California, of course. California is what put uh, Joe Biden over 270 because we have this 
behemoth number of votes. Uh, we have 55 electoral college votes. And Joe, has it changed anything now that President-elect Biden, it really, really, really is President-elect Biden? You know, some things changed. We noticed that happening in, you know, through the afternoon. California voted at 2 p.m. Pacific time today. Took some, I don't know, matter of minutes to get everything tallied there. Now, in the aftermath of this, at least some Republicans have started calling uh, Joe Biden President-elect Biden in the aftermath of today's vote. So among those lawmakers stepping closer to the light are Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley, Senators Roy Blunt of Missouri, John Cornyn of Texas, Tom Tillis of North Carolina, Kevin Kramer of North Dakota, and others. But one notable one here, which is I felt like a backhanded way of accepting this or not accepting it, a non-apology apology, as some people say, Senator Joni Ernst of Iowa, she's the junior Republican senator there, was asked about the Electoral College vote by some reporters on the Hill today. And she said, and I quote, like it or not, I know for Iowans it's disappointing, but the process is what it is and the Constitution will be followed. And then she followed up by saying, if that's, you know, the reporters asked her if that means that Joe Biden is in fact the president-elect, she responded, quote, if that's what the Electoral College decides today. Now, that is faint praise, but I suppose we'll just have to take it. It seems odd to me, you know, the Electoral College vote that happens every four years on this date is it seems almost perfunctory. Nobody cares by this point. They're on to Christmas shopping and hangovers from Christmas parties, that sort of thing, and holiday parties. But here we have the Republicans are the opposite of Chicken Little, crying that he is not the president-elect over and over and over again. And that brings us to today. Is there anything left, Jessica, that can thwart Joe Biden from becoming the 46th president at this point? No. I mean, so there's not an avenue here. There's more like an incredibly small fire road that nobody uses and nobody will be able to use. But can I just take a moment? And Joe, I know you and I have talked about this off the air, on the air. It is so extraordinary that we have one political party and members of that political party who are denying reality, who are peddling claims of widespread voter fraud still, who are saying there were problems with the electoral systems, who are saying begrudgingly, well, I guess if this is what happened, then he is the president-elect. This is not how it used to be. And I know I sound like an, you know, get a get-off-my-lawn moment, but it used to be that we had fights about policy. It used to be that we had fights about how do we want to get to the same place? How do we want to create a quote unquote, you know, better America? And now we're having fights about the heart of our democracy, about whether or not we're going to respect votes, about whether or not we're going to undermine a democratically elected president. And, you know, this is something that Joe, I know you and I are going to talk about, which is how do you move forward? And there's not one answer. There's probably 13,000 different answers. But how do you move forward when you have representatives who are sent to our nation's capital to do incredibly important things like shape our society, shape our laws, who are denying reality? And I know I've said it before, and I know it probably not the last time I'll say it, but it's so deeply disappointing, not just as somebody who teaches law, but as a citizen of this country that it, and that when I talk about this, you know, in the media to be vilified for, I don't want to make this personal, but for just speaking a basic truth, it's so discouraging to me that this has become a partisan issue. And yet here we are, you asked me a question 
a while ago, which is what can happen next? And the answer is really nothing, but there is one more step. So there is a step on January 6th, and that is the last thing that's going to happen before Inauguration Day. I know you have some uh, information about January 6th, and then I'll take us home when it comes to a few more details about what's going to happen that day. Absolutely. Thank you, Jessica. Irrespective of political affiliation, I do believe that the Republicans are playing a very, very dangerous game, not just with our democracy, but with democracy itself. We're going to see how long political memories are as we roll through this new administration after January 20th, if they're going to be able to work together, if they're going to be able to accomplish something. And it's never been more important, at least maybe in a number of decades, we're still facing a pandemic. We're still facing now 300 plus thousand deaths of Americans due to this virus in our country. There are very, very important things at stake and the regular day-to-day governing business of our government as well. So I really hope they can get their act together and move this thing forward. So now, as you said, the only other stop on this train before January 20th is January 6th. And what happens then? That is when Congress certifies the Electoral College votes, the votes that were tallied today. Now, Mike Pence, current vice president, lame duck vice president, has a job there. So according to the National Archives, Congress meets in a joint session on January 6th to count the electoral votes. Now, Mike Pence's job, among other things, is being president of the Senate, which means that current Vice President Mike Pence is going to preside over this count of votes and will then declare who has been elected president and vice president of the United States. Do you see that coming off without a hitch? It's hard to imagine it does. Jessica, take it away. Tell me what you think is going to happen. I see it coming off, but not without one hitch. I see it coming off with many hitches. And let's remember this historically, there have been another number of vice presidents who have kind of painfully presided over these particular, uh, this certification. So think about uh, Vice President Joe Biden presiding over the certification of President Trump winning. Think about Al Gore presiding over George W. Bush winning. And this is almost to the day, the 20th anniversary of Bush versus Gore. Uh, Think back to then um, President Nixon, even. So what do we have in store on January 6th? Under the Constitution, under the 1887 Electoral Count Act, which let me tell you, even election law professors do not talk about a lot, Uh, members of Congress can challenge certification. And so they have to submit their challenge in writing. They have to get a senator to join the challenge. And then what happens is that both houses, the House of Representatives and the Senate, go back to their respective sides. They debate whether or not to disqualify a state's vote. And basically, both the House and the Senate have to agree that they would trash the results of a state. This has not happened since the 1800s. I do not expect this to happen this time. Now, even if you trash the results of enough states so that President-elect Biden cannot, in fact, reach 270, which, let me say again, will not happen, then what's the next step? The next step is the 12th Amendment, which Joe, you and I have talked about, which essentially means that the House of Representatives picks the next president, but it's not that each member gets a vote. It's that each state delegation gets a vote. This would favor Republicans. 
I truly, truly do not think that we are down this particular black hole, but that is what would happen. And so listeners, what's going to happen next? January 6th, there will be some theatrics, but uh, Vice President Pence will be forced to tally and everybody will be forced to see, Congress will be forced to accept the reality of what happened here that President-elect Biden got not just more than 270 votes, he got 306 votes. And this brings us, Joseph, I think, to the second big news item of the day. Oh, yes. As if it wasn't enough. We were all watching uh, the Electoral College thing play out. I wasn't watching it. Well, I, I certainly wasn't live streaming it at my house. I'm a very busy man. I've got a lot of things going on. But I was paying attention, watching it play out, checking little notes as if it was a little election day all over again all over again, all over again, all over again. <laughs> but Attorney General Bill Barr resigned today. Now, that resignation doesn't take effect until December 23rd, which is next week. We've done a whole episode on Bill Barr, the curious case of Bill Barr. So this is a little bit of a rehashing of these kinds of things. But take us on a little tour of what we've gone through since he took over from Jeff Sessions all those years ago, Jessica. Well, the tour begins with not just egg on my face, but omelet on my face, because I remember saying, you know, I really think there's going to be an adult in the room now because Attorney General Barr has served as the attorney general before. He served under George Herbert Walker Bush. He certainly is a conservative, but that does not in any way mean that he's against the rule of law. And so I thought, okay, here someone will take the reins and understand what the position entails and hopefully serve this country honorably. And he has just done, from my perspective, exactly the opposite. He has subverted the rule of law at every turn, he has been so enormously loyal to the president with one misstep that we will talk about. And he has just been an enormous disappointment. And I think the idea that he was leading a department called the Department of Justice is something that just gives me a pit in my stomach. And I know I sound like a partisan in this episode, Joe, but if people listen, they notice actually nothing I'm saying has anything to do with my policy views. And so what, you know, what are some of Bill Barr's greatest hits here? Well, let's remember that when he took over the position, one of the first things he did was mischaracterize the special report, the Mueller report. He came out with his summary, which we later found out was a gross mischaracterization of what the report actually said. And he continues, even in his resignation letter, to mischaracterize what happened. He interfered with the work of career prosecutors. Think about the cases involving President Trump's friends, the Stone case, the Michael Flynn case. He hindered congressional oversight. He famously refused to testify before Congress, gave testimony of, of questionable veracity. He was part of, even more recently, over the summer, he was part of the incident where peaceful protesters were tear-gassed in Lafayette Park and perhaps even okayed the clearing of these protesters. We don't know the full extent of his role. And he, of course, has appointed a special counsel to investigate the investigators of the 2016 election, which means that throughout President-elect Biden's term, we will still continue to hear about 
an investigation of those who began the investigation into the 2016 election, which if there is, that is just seems to me to be a quintessentially 2020 statement in and of itself. And Joe, I know this leaves you with some questions about what just happened. So many questions, Jessica, perhaps the two asterisks left for me when it comes to Bill Barr and his curious case are the following. Now, Bill Barr, he's widely known for his affinity for expanding the powers of the executive branch. He wants to make sure the presidency is a is a big office with a lot of power and a lot of reach. So my question is, would he feel the same way if a Democrat was in office? Because if he doesn't, that's not exactly he doesn't exactly jive. He just wants he wants the Republican president to have more power, but a Democrat not to have more power when they're in office. What's good for the goose is good for the gander, or so they say. Question number two, why now? We're looking at what did I say? 30 some days, 37 days, about halfway between election day and inauguration day. He's a lame duck attorney general in a lame duck administration. We can speculate all day long. I know we had an off-air conversation as to why on earth he would do this now. Uh, President Donald Trump and A.G. Barr had what was described by many people as an amicable meeting on the in the White House today to discuss his resignation. So if they're getting along peachy keen and they're a lame duck administration, why, any ideas? Why do you think he would step down now and not just ride it out to the end of this uh, this ugly wave and the, the surf of 2020? Well, I mean, let's take each question in turn. So if you had asked me before he became the attorney general for the second time, you know, does Bill Barr believe in the expansion of executive authority, period, regardless of who the executive is, I would say yes. The answer, I think, has to be different at this point because he was such an effective advocate for the president of the United States and not an effective advocate for the people of the United States, frankly, quite the opposite. In terms of the timing, somebody put on Twitter, you know, was Attorney General Barr not even corrupt enough for President Trump? And I think what the tweet refers to is the fact that Attorney General Barr recently said, we have found no evidence of widespread voter fraud in the 2020 election. And this, of course, directly undercuts President Trump's political and legal strategy. And this may have been what the nail in the coffin was. I mean, look, let's be honest that we're all just guessing at this point. We don't know for sure, but it was a big break with President Trump. And it certainly, again, completely cut off at the knees President Trump's argument that he's been making to his base, which is the election was stolen, there was rampant voter fraud, and the argument that he's been making in courts, which, of course, judges have almost without exception, said there's no there there to this. There's just nothing to these allegations of voter fraud. You know, it it could be, and this is speculation, that there are things that are going to occur, maybe pardons, and Attorney General Barr doesn't want to be part of it. I can't really imagine that he would at this point put his foot down and say, well, that's simply too far, but uh, that's going to be the fun of the next, you know, less than 40 days is we're going to see what happens? Do you have your um, proverbial seatbelt buckled, Mr. Armstrong? Uh, buckled enough, I will say. You know, there's one more. There's one more consideration here, Jessica. That you know, so many things about every administration, whether it's Republican, Democrat, past, present, and future, is that there are political calculations 
when it comes to things like an attorney general retiring, you know, or res resigning in this case. So, you know, is there a political consideration here? Yeah, I suppose there is. The most obvious one would be drawing the connection to the electoral college vote, trying to steal thunder from that. But I'm not sure how you exactly steal thunder from that. Again, something that's normally almost perfunctory makes big time headlines and steals the entire news cycle today until Bill Barr shows up and steals it just a little bit. But I'm not sure it warrants that type of and I'm sure it draws that much water. I guess we'll just, like you said, we'll have to wait and see how this plays out. Maybe there are things, maybe he's, uh, maybe I was going to say, maybe he's stooping Stormy Daniels. Well, I, I mean, so here's the irony of it. We're only talking about the Electoral College voting because of President Trump's norm-breaking behavior, because he put all of these pretty pro forma procedural steps in play because he said something crazy is going to happen because he's trying to gin up support in elected Republicans to maybe do something that will create theatrics. And so the only reason we're having this whole discussion about the Electoral College is President Trump's behavior. And then I think it is possible that if he was going to find a moment to try and then say, you know, he puts this issue at the forefront. President-elect Biden clearly becomes President-elect Biden. And then so he tries to take some, what he does often, which is, you know, a game of distraction. And he tries to say, look over here, don't look over there. And uh, maybe that explains the timing of the attorney general's resignation. But as you say, I just don't know. This may remain uh, the curious case of Bill Barr for a long time. I think he's stooping Stormy Daniels. Uh, well, Joe, as always, thank you for being here. Oh, Jessica, it's always an absolute pleasure. I'm very much looking forward to boring politics. That's what got me into this game. And I, I look forward to the days when no one else is paying attention to this stuff except for you and me. And that's something I was going to say. You know, Jessica, we would be talking about the Electoral College vote tally day because that's just the kind of political nerds that we are. Boring politics, but a deeply interesting podcast that will continue well past the Trump administration. A podcast that you can find on Twitter at Past Judgment Pod and on Instagram at Passing Judgment Pod. You can find me on Twitter at Levinson Jessica. I've said this before. Please do tweet me if you have some feedback, if you want us to cover something, not cover something, anything that you have on your mind about the podcast. We read everything. We're really grateful for all of the feedback that we're getting. Joe, you can find on Twitter at In Depth Day. He's also a musician. If you like the intro and outro music, you can thank Joe. And again, we just want to thank our listeners so much for your support. We're deeply flattered, and we hope to continue to make conversations that you like joining in on. And we'll talk to you next time. Absolutely. And if you don't like the intro and outro music, it wasn't me. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening, everybody.